to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Good morning and welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh King, got a warm cup of coffee in my hand, and I am joined with my good friend and brother in the Lord, uh, <laughs> Sam Rayner. <laughs> yes. We're, man, we're, we're, you know, we are all like kind of brothers now at this point because, I mean, we're friends, but I feel like we, I feel like you guys have my back. I totally agree. I think we're past friends. We're in an eerie level of closeness. Yeah, um, yeah. Like we, we, we get at each other like brothers, like we get under each other's skin and we kind of enjoy it. Straight up. <laughs> you know, the other thing I want to say before we get into our topic, which by the way, listener, I have no idea what it's going to be. Sam's about to toss it up like a skeet shoot. I um, uh, Last two episodes, I want to personally apologize. There was an echo. That was my fault. We figured it out after the fact. We kind of, there were some signs that I ignored. I should have figured it out before. So if you're still with us, thank you so much. Uh, last episode wasn't so bad. The one before where it was just Sam and I talking about sadness, uh, which was such a great topic to ruin with um, an echo, but still a good topic, still a good show. Um, it's just, you know what, Sam? The fact that I made it echo makes me sad. You know, I'm I'm very thankful that you're actually taking the fall for this rather than leaning on the uh, production team and blaming them. So, <laughs> um, you know, the, the the 15 or 16 people that work for us. These these um, interns that are that, scurrying around that, us right that now. Help, that help produce this amazing show. Which, um, by the way, I need more coffee. <laughs> Young man, <laughs> you you are the intern in, in <laughs> this case, and if you're new, we don't we don't have a production team. Uh, My coffee intern is um is an international student. His name's Keurig, and uh, brings me coffee every month. <laughs> That's really bad. Keurig um, is an international word. It's not an English word, I don't think. I, I I'm laughing on the inside. Um, <laughs> This happens every time Mike is not on the show. I know, I know. It's the older brother's not here, and so we get to say whatever we, we want. Do whatever we want. So, speaking of doing whatever we want, what's our topic? Throw okay, it out our, there. Uh, yeah, you have no idea, and you just no sprung idea. this on me. Like you said, let's just make something up, and you throw it out there. So, I, I'm not even really – I haven't even had time to think about it. Right. But I want us to prognosticate about mm. 2020. Okay. What do you think is going to be an intriguing thing that happens in 2020 as it, as mm. it involves the established church? So, it's complete speculation. You can take wow. this any direction you want. But something, something intriguing that will happen in 2020. What's going to happen in 2020 that's going to grab people's attention? Let's see if we can actually like make up something that, that happens. I mean, we're completely speculating right. here. We're so, speculating. And so, there's see if, two... Let's see if we'll be prophetic. Okay. Yeah. And there's two levels to this, I would say. We have our faith family, which we could prognosticate about, um, our extended faith family, the Southern Baptist Convention. And then there's just established churches in general. Um, so, I have I have some opinions about those things. We can, we can do a little bit of both. I don't want to abandon our listeners that are... Not Southern Baptist. We have a lot of listeners that aren't Southern Baptist, of course. They come from any number of walks of life and denominational backgrounds or no denomination. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes it's good to poke fun at your own tribe. Right. And what we would be doing is not necessarily saying, like, my prediction 
would not necessarily be something that they wouldn't be interested in. This would be high level and it'd be kind of like, uh, yeah, look at y'all being you. Um, but let's start with the established church stuff. I sure. think so. There's a real surge that feels like um, happening right now, just beginning to happen um, with a with an eye towards the R U R A L church. However, you say that word. Can you say that word? R U R A L. Rural. 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 <laughs> That's why I spelled it. Yeah, and I'm probably not the one to ask how to pronounce things. Wait, say it again. You say it. Rural. And I say rural. <laughs> I've, I've, my accent, because I've lived in Indiana, I've lived in Florida, uh, even in Kentucky. So my accents, I, I, I go in and out of accents. So I'm not the right one to ask. A lot of Texas. It's a pop, by the way, just in case everyone wants to know. It's Coke. Pop. It's Coke. And by Coke, I mean Dr. Pepper. So the, um, the rural church is getting a lot of, a lot more attention right now. And there is a push towards, um, trying to figure out what's going to happen with them as smaller communities begin to die off or continue to die off, as we see that used to be things like the highway would move, right? The, there used to be a, a, ra- a road that went through this little town, but then the state or whomever makes these decisions decides to put the big highway up a little while, 10 miles north, you know, and that kills off these smaller communities as far as through traffic goes. And then, um, of course, with um, changing commerce, when you're changing from uh, going online retail, those sort of things, some of the only jobs that are available in communities are, you know, grocery stores and and um, uh, in r- stores, uh, storefronts, those sort of things. Those begin to die off if you don't have the construction to build them, if you don't have people maintaining them, if you don't have people working them. These little communities begin to die off. All of this with changes in in industry, commerce affects small communities that small community thus naturally would affect schools and churches and so there's a shift to try to figure out what's happening with them i predict that's the setting my prediction is that more and more of these smaller churches will do what has been happening is um, coming together and either forming one church or forming a network of churches a family of churches um, I really do believe that the smaller churches will continue to struggle and um, they're going to need to rethink how they come together, um, whether that's just flat out coming together and being like multi-campus or being a family of churches, shared resources or combining assets. This church doesn't have a pastor. That church has some people. That one has some buildings. I've even seen three or four of these rural, smaller community churches come together, sell off three buildings, or at least the land that goes with those buildings, and form one stronger church. And it is beneficial. It is good um, in some regards. So, yeah. I, I agree with you, but I'm going to put a little twist on it. Do, do um, so. Believe it or not, it was four or five years ago, depending on who's counting and how, that the declines in rural mm-hmm. America started to reverse and now many of those areas are growing again generally any any individual town may be declining or increasing mm-hmm. but overall the rural areas in the united states are actually growing again so i do believe that there is going to be a renewed focus on two particular areas um neighborhood churches right. and rural churches mm-hmm. and what many would call smaller churches but 
as we all know, these are, they're not smaller. They're normative size churches. Yeah, I refuse to use that word, but go ahead. So I do believe that there is going to be a reinvigoration of the neighborhood church, the rural church, the smaller church. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it will begin, you know, it's beginning now. It's not like there's going to be this mass wave of church help that sweeps across the nation. If that's great, then we'll take it, right? Oh, yeah. That's not what I would predict. Awesome. Um, but I do believe that there's going to be a refocusing on the smaller church. Part of the reason is the multi, the um, the mega church movement has all but waned. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no more mega churches in the United States now than there were 10, 12 years ago. It's roughly 16, 1700. Again, it depends on how you count. And that hasn't changed. And all of that exponential growth in the mega church has completely stopped in terms wow. of the number of mega churches. So we're not seeing any increase in the number of megachurches, which means that there has to be a refocusing effort back to some of these churches that aren't megachurches. And I'm, I'm certainly seeing that in my community. I'm seeing it through Revitalized Network, the nonprofit that, that I run. Um, there is a massive shift in terms of attention. And, you know, I'm working with three churches locally on this, just just people that call me. So, and, and much less through, through the national organization that I run. So I do believe that this is going to be a, a big thing. We have to grasp this movement because it, it's not a foregone conclusion that we're going to do it right and do it well. Um, so I agree with you, um, I, and I, I agree with you perhaps on maybe some for some different reasons and I have a little twist on it, but I think it's a good thing overall. I think a, a refocusing back on family-sized churches, whatever you want to call them, uh, is uh, is positive. It's very positive and needed. There are 400,000 churches in the United States. Only 16, 1700 of them are mega churches. So we need these churches to be very healthy and strong. Um, now, with that being said, I'm going to throw one out there. Yeah, do that. I believe the video venue, multi. The, the I like multi-site. I'm not a big fan of video venue because I like incarnational ministry. And I am sorry, a face on a screen is not incarnational. And you may say, well, we have a campus pastor there, blah, 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 whatever. Okay, it's it, I don't like it. Um, I'm not saying it's unbiblical, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying it's he my He's just saying get off his lawn. That's what he's that, saying. Exactly. I'm just saying it's my personal preference. I'm, you know, if, if, I agree if, with you, though. If you've done it well, that's great. If you're winning people to Jesus, praise God, I am not about to get on your case. I'm just saying I don't think it's the healthiest model. Um, and I think that that's going to begin to wane starting in 2020. I, I don't think you're going to see as many. I think you're going to see multi-site continue just in a different way. Um, and I think that uh, a return to uh, teaching campus pastors is needed. And I think you're going to see that begin in 2020. You know what? I'm curious. Um, I want to make some comments about that uh, in just a second. But if you are listening to us, go ahead and jump on Twitter. Let us know what you think is going to happen in 2020 regarding the established church. What are your predictions? What do you think is going to continue to happen or is maybe going to die off? That'd be interesting. Like this is going to stop. And that's what we've done. We're going to have a continuation of the focus on rural or smaller or as some folks call it, normative sized churches. And we believe um, that the video venue is going to continue to die off or will stop. And I totally agree. I think that we're already seeing that um, in some influential settings, um, notably the village church um, with their spinoff of their campuses was ex- was is essentially saying the same thing. Now, I don't think that Sam nor I are saying anything along the lines of that you you know you want to push away from the multi site. We think multi site's fine. Um, it's just that that video broadcasting um, sort of venue is going to continue to decline. Uh, I think that's true. 
I also see it in situations like very influential churches here in Arkansas. Uh, the largest church is called New Life Church, and um, they have and do move away from video venues. I think they use it on occasions, but most often the campus minister or pastor is the one who is preaching live, and um, they've seen a lot of fruit from that. I think that's a good thing. I, I think it's entirely a good thing. Uh, it is a way in a lot of situations, these very large churches have, um, let's say, disproportionately skilled speakers as their main person, right? That's a nice way of saying it, and yeah. I would agree with you. They are just tremendous at there, that there's gift. There's some tremendous communicators and preachers that are leading these churches, no doubt. And, so, and, and many of them very good, and it's a very positive thing. Yes. And so, I think it's good with all of their little, uh, not little, some of their campuses are huge, but um, with their other settings, they have a very, very real opportunity to pour into other communicators to to uh, build up that skill set. So, I think that's good. I like that. I do see some settings where if I was in that setting or shoes of those people, I would do a video um, a couple times a year um, in the name of unity or just tying oh, everybody together. Yeah, I think that, that's kind of fun. Listen, that's not that big a deal. I'm just saying all having a video, a, a, a video venue that's always there as a strategy is, I would say is not the wisest strategy. Absolutely. Um, I, I don't, I'm not saying it's unbiblical. I'm, I'm not, I would not go down that road. I'm just right. saying the wisdom <laughs> of that long term for the health of your church, it's better to have uh, an incarnational presence of a, of a teacher preacher there. Um, I, but, you know, showing videos every now and then for the sake of church unity, well, of course. I mean, that that is not that big right. of a deal to me. And you know what we do, um, which is similar, it's kind of related to the topic, but um, so we have a, not a program, almost an initiative. Our senior adult minister um, goes out and tries to put in, um, t- goes to all the nursing centers, the uh, senior adult living residents, uh, rehab centers, those sort of places, and memory care centers. And we will put in a television, a very large, it's 65 inch, it's smart television. Um, it's a Roku television. And so it has um, all those capabilities. And I think it costs us right at $500 per television. And what we noticed was in some of these centers, especially the older ones, um, they have what we might dec- what we might all call an inadequate uh, television, and so I was in one that had eighty residents, and they had this little thirty inch television kind of stuck on it, and that's kind of where they all would gather together if they wanted to get together and watch the news or a movie together or something like that. So this was when this idea started. Um, we kind of, we went to them and said, "Hey, we'll buy you a new TV if you will think about. You do not have to. We will just." you know, put up our service at 9.30 on Sunday mornings. And uh, and I said, you don't have to. We're not going to police it. We don't mind if you don't. Well, they did. And uh, they enjoyed it. And since we broadcast the music portion, the worship and the announcements and everything, the baptisms and the preaching, since we broadcast all of that, that's now being played in four homes here in our community every Sunday at 9.30. To me, those folks, and and in talking with some of the um, the directors and the the facilitators, it's very hard um, to get a lot of those residents in a vehicle to our campus out of the. You know, you need a lot of specialized help. It takes a lot of time. Um, we're we're very thankful for those who do come, and we have other programs along those lines. But this is much easier for them to be a part of a whole church. We send over bulletins um, to all the campuses, so they have a bulletin. 
We have small groups that will occasionally go and attend with them, quote unquote, kind of sit with them. Young families, um, they'll just kind of sit with them. The kids will kind of sit there and watch the service with them. They can't come to us. And so in a very real way, we're trying to go to them. And so that's one way that we've found that video is kind of cool and, and easy. And like when once I pitched this vision, it was members stepping up and saying, I'll buy another television. Tell me the next time you've got a home open, we'll put a television there. So it didn't so, count against our budget at all. But it was really kind of a cool way to use that in, I think, a redeemable value. So quick, I need a quick answer on this one. Sure. A quick prognostication. Mm-hmm. Um, the bow tie ratio mm. our our partner in crime mr micah fries right um and it's freeze by the way if yeah we know that want to know. um rainier <laughs> i hear that all the time <laughs> i know <laughs> oh man um bow ties with the bow tie ratio how many bow ties and in a 52 week year mm-hmm. is how many bow ties will micah wear on a sunday Oh man, I'm gonna go with like uh, north of thirty. Who? See, I was I was gonna go twenty, mm. but you we'll might have to be, get him to chime in later. If if we were to provide a line, if we were odds makers mm-hmm. in Vegas, and there was a line, what would the line be? You know, I ratio? I'm not trying to be religious or anything. I don't understand line over under sort of language. I always have so to have I somebody think, explain. I think that the over under would be realistically set at twenty five between our two guesses so huh. we can we can see what micah does and if he doesn't listen to this episode then you know i bet he doesn't let's not say a word to him about this and see if he says something about the bow ties yeah there so and i've got another one what's that what's gonna be <laughs> i'm gonna ask you this what's gonna be the outrage in 2020 is it gonna be complementarianism egalitarianism like has been the last few months what what's gonna be the issue that that everyone gets all worked up over? you know that's so hard to predict because obviously predictions are hard to make, but we're upset about things that I never thought we would be upset about, like when we have a country that literally um you know what was it the a c l u tweeted the other day about some men get periods and that's what it's just (laughs) we are like far past a level of ridiculous i shouldn't laugh and i know these some of these are very serious issues and i and i do care but yeah i remember i I saw that we're just ridiculous and so it is getting upset about some of the things that we get upset about now are just flat silly so um I have no idea. I have literally no. Do well, you have that's any? That's why this is fun. That's why this is fun. Um, let's say, um, okay, I'll throw one out there. The age at which the child, a child can be a member of a church. Let's let's try that. Like uh, a voting member of the church. So, so some so churches there, 13, some be, churches 16, 18. There's going to be some controversy. Okay. I'll just okay. throw that out there. You know, I don't know. What And just out of curiosity, what what's, uh, we have a very specific age mm-hmm. uh, at our church that we kind of, well, I can explain that here in a second, but I want to know you first. Do, do you have a, we do. a guideline there? We do. Um, it was here before I got here at 16. Now, is that member or voting? Voting. See, that's it. That's us. The second that you're baptized and you're in agreement with our covenant, I mean, my daughter is a member, but mm-hmm. she can't vote until she's 14. Right. Two of my sons are members and cannot vote. Yeah, which which so, they they just really don't like that. But you know, <laughs> get over yeah, it. Yeah, so for for us, we figure if you're in high school, hopefully we've trained you up well enough to think for yourself. 
Yeah. Um, so our, our voting age begins at, at, at 14, which is roughly ninth grade, which is when high school begins. Huh, 14. So I was at a church where it was 18. Um, I which, think that's a little high. That's a little high. When we rewrote our bylaws in Texas, we made it 13. Um, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, and if you're a Bible nerd at all, you can probably guess where we got that number. Um, but uh, we just kind of felt of an, like. It's a bit of a, you know, 13. Well, it's you know unlucky number. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, we we thought we were going to give a little nod to Jewish culture there, you know. Uh, you're full grown. You are you are a son of the law, yeah, daughter true. of the law. Okay, okay, I can see that. Yeah, so we kind of thought, you know, even I was preaching I this last like Sunday. That actually, it's more biblical than what we said with high school. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's just a tie. Somehow, we were just trying to think what would Paul say because he didn't write it down. But if you just got him on a Q and A panel, I think he'd go with thirteen. You know, so I think Jesus would too. By the way, so. It's just like how Jesus would say only to have the Lord's Supper one time a year. But, you know, um, that's not the that's not the topic for this show because Mike is not here to argue with me on that. Um, do you have any other things that are going to die off? I, I had one um, or so we're saying that video venues are going to decrease. I think that rural churches and, are going to none be of focused. this will happen quickly, by the way, with like these demographic big shifts. They, they all kind of happen slowly. I'm saying a lot of this stuff's going to begin. I feel like you're hedging your transition. bets there. I feel like this will happen by March 31st. This is going to be full-fledged. Jesus is going to return. <laughs> By the way, I have a video series you can buy. Um, <laughs> For $199. That's right. Um, <laughs> Get the Sam Rayner prediction date of when Christ will return. That's right. So, I have another one. Uh, family, The and I've kind of mentioned it. The family, uh, what do we call this? Network, family of churches model. Family of churches model somewhere. And this is something I'm actually kicking around myself as well. I think it's a beautiful model um, where, you know, in our extended family, we have what's called associations. And so, in and they're usually broke down by your county. They may be a couple counties together, especially in the south. In the north, they may be a lot larger. But there'll be a, a regional collection of churches that kind of get together for, and I'm just telling you that the stated purpose. So, you know, don't at me. Um, if you think this is a waste of time, but um, mutual accountability, a little bit of encouragement, sometimes church planning, sometimes other missional efforts. They come together for that. Um, and then you have campuses of churches, you know, three or four locations that have the same leadership, that have the same bylaws, that have the same, you know, that sort of stuff. I'm exploring and I like the model. I'm intrigued by the model of a family, uh, a family of churches. So autonomous churches four, five, six, whatever, they come together, but then they have shared resources, separate government, but shared resources. So, say there are four or five autonomous churches, but then let's say they collectively, they put their money into a pot and then hire, say, a graphic designer, which a lot of middle or smaller churches don't have enough graphic design work um, to, you know, keep one busy for a full time. So, that collectively. Accounting could be done by central offices. Um, yeah, that's part of our model, actually. The neighborhood of churches? Of things with the network of neighborhood churches. Yeah, yeah see, I'm liking this model. Um, it keeps the autonomy, which I'm not, you know, I'd like to go multi-site, well, but. Well, ours are ours are multi-site, but it's a more of a loose form hmm. of multi-site. There, there's a little more autonomy than most multi-site systems. And then uh, you can do things like, let's say you all decide to do your big Christmas thing on the same date, uh, if it's not Christmas Eve, but say it's Christmas Eve, and then you can all collectively do marketing um, that goes to one website, and then you like kind of 
pick your location and you're, you know, so the benefits of the multi-site, um, but the, also the benefits of the autonomy where it's not all tied to one personality or one brand identity, those sort of things. I think that's a very intriguing model that I think will continue to gain. Okay. Uh, steam. All right. Some rapid, some rapid fire stuff because okay. we're, we're getting shorter on time. Man, this uh, is a fun thing. I like talking in, about. In our, in our own, in our own tribe, uh, the the election of our president sure. in uh, in our own convention right does uh, Moeller has put his name Al Moeller has put his name in the ring does he get Al elected Moeller. or not yeah I think he gets elected but it's not as much of a landslide as people think and if if someone decides to run against him I agree I think I I believe nobody will be I my prediction is nobody will run against him I think that. Um, let me, let me set my, um, headphones down for a second. I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat. Um, so I've got my tinfoil hat on now. I believe his announcement when it was, was intentional to dissuade anybody from running against him. I don't believe that there will be another candidate that tries to run against Al Mohler, who for our non-Southern Baptist, who is the president of our, what many would call our most pre- prestigious seminary. He's been there forever. He's a kingmaker. He's extremely godly guy with like no beef with him at all at all um in fact i d- i deeply respect him but um his nomination at the timing um even the nominator um are all almost a just a bulletproof ticket um so i think all of that was done in order to dissuade future nominations i've got theories on what was trying to be dissuaded but um you know that's right. uh, that's for another All topic. Right. So, Trump, mm-hmm. does he get reelected or not? He does get reelected. Uh, Hillary think, steps think, into the race, and it's another slaughter, and it'll be fun to watch. I think the I, I I'm not trying to be political. Well, I am. I'm, I'm asking a political question, but I think yeah. the whole impeachment stuff is going to propel him to re-election. I do too. Um, so, I think all of this stuff that's happening at the time of this recording. And I did not vote for Trump last time. So, and would, you know, I'll have to see who the independent candidates are this next time. But, um, so, I'm not a, I'm not like a diehard Trump, you know, you're not talking to Jeffers here. Um, so, this is. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not taking a side. I'm just asking. We're just predicting for, fun for, stuff for here. Predictions. Yeah. Chick-fil-A. What's your, um, I, what's your prediction on Chick-fil-A? Um, I don't like Chick-fil-A personally. <laughs> I'm a McDonald's guy. I love McDonald's. Um, and who knows what so, they no, support. No, no. McDonald's cheeseburger, no onion, extra pickles. It'll beat a Chick-fil-A sandwich every mm, day. McDonald's Big Mac. Um, Man, I'm hungry right now. But I think that um, I think that this last move, regardless, I, I'm totally not clear. I've tried to read a lot on it. I don't know if Chick-fil-A did good or bad on this issue. But um, I do think it's going to hurt their brand. I don't think anybody's going to really care. Everybody will be anti-Chick-fil-A until they get hungry and they want some more waffle fries. They'll go right back to it. It's, it's going to hurt their brand a little bit, but it's not going to be a big deal. So, I'm going to predict something that's just completely, you know, I've got my tinfoil hat on. Okay. Oh, I think best. this whole controversy around climate change mm. is going to affect the church eventually. Because you've got the millennials who are like, no, this is kind of a real thing mm-hmm. and we might want to do something about it. And even conservatives like myself, I'm all about creation sure. care. I do think that there's some issues here. Um, I'm not a um, – I don't want to exaggerate the issue and I don't want to be an alarmist. But, you know, I do think there's there's proof of climate change and we need to start thinking about what we're going to do about it. Um, 
I think um, I, don't, I don't want to kill industry to do it, but I, I think that we need to be concerned. I think that's because um, you're a crazy Floridian. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't want to be underwater. <laughs> um, so, and we see it down here. I mean, it's a very real thing here. So, mm-hmm. I, yes. But I think that you're gonna you're gonna see a flashpoint in the church eventually. Now, I don't know if this will happen in 2020. Good. But at some point, there's going to be this grand like outrage, this come to Jesus moment of generations of like over climate change. Over and climate it probably change. does. It probably we probably do need to do something. You know, that camp. I'm not. Uh, so I would put it in the realm, and I think you would too, of creation stewardship. Um, so exactly, I'm I'm not a tree hugger, for, right? Or, or, uh, know, although I get mad every I'm time not, somebody not. tears down an old tree. Like I'm just like, come on, build the building around it. Um, so I'm a little bit Lorax that way. So, um, but I'm not, you know, a climate change personality, an alarmist, or anything like you. But I would like if I could dream up the perfect kind of large church campus, I'd have a couple of. Uh, Windmills and solar panels and that sort of stuff be green, eco-friendly sort of campus, um, not giant parking lots without trees, you know, like break some of that up and um, keep the – some of it's just beauty. I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it's a cool thing. Some of it is creation stewardship um, and maybe, I don't know, somebody might, you know, message me and go, well, you know, windmills cause more fossil fuel use. I don't know. I don't know. Get off my case. I'm just saying that I like that kind of stuff. So, I'm kind of with okay. you. So, I, I have no idea why I'm saying that. It just kind of popped in my head that, you know, the church, you don't hear many sermons on it. You don't hear many people talking about it from the church. At some point, it's going to reach a flashpoint. Well, I mean, I would even say that that's a very logical next, uh, like next controversy, as you were talking about a minute ago, when we move past um, fighting over CRT, critical race theory, and those sort of things. Um, this could be, I, I, could very, I could very well see that being one of the flashpoints where... You've got all these like discernment blogs that are yelling about this pastor over there that's too into climate change and he's worshiping the ground. And, you know, I think that that that's not that's not a bad idea. Like, that could be something. So get ready to now, fight I, over it, y'all. Let's fight over something it. that I would like to see. I don't know that this will happen mm. is um, more multi-ethnic churches. Uh, I, I would love to see that. It's, seeing, it's a trend in my church, our student ministry and our children's ministry are multi-ethnic. Right. So, I want that to continue in my church. Absolutely. I don't know that that will happen in 2020, but a renewed focus and a desire um, for multi-ethnic churches would, you know, I think that's gonna, I think that's more positive than negative. I would love to see that happen. True. Hey, that's all our time. What about church answers? How did they get a deal? Are we still doing yeah, it? Yeah, you know, and we are seeing some interest here. So, it's it's kind of nice. Uh, we're, we're offering a very exclusive deal just to our listeners through Church Answers. Um, you can uh, go get this Four Steps to Revitalizing Your Church resource with Tom Rayner. You get $150 off. I mean, it's a great deal. So, go check it out. Go to my blog, samrainer.com. Any of the EST posts give you all the instructions. You can click on the link. You can get the resource. It'll take you to the discount page where you you get $150 off this great resource. Uh, So, you can learn more about it at samrainer.com. Yeah, click on the EST post and uh, go get it. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening to Sam and I prognosticate. That's the word, right? I want to make yes, sure I'm not prognostication. saying prognostication. I don't want, want to make sure I'm not saying some sort of medical um, procedure. Thanks for uh, listening to us predict the future. We want to hear your predictions on Twitter at EST Church. Thanks, and we will check you next week. Okay.
You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.